vegan food continues to be an upward trend, and that is something that I greatly welcome as I have been a meat substitute eater for quite some time since before it was trending. Today we're talking about vegan food catering. How do we start a catering business? Hey, welcome to Food Ops. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Derek. And he is a health inspector. Who mainly eats meat, but I guess I'll eat some vegan food every now and then. Yeah, it's grown on you a little bit, hasn't it? Yes. Hey, Derek. Hey, Becca. So we've been consuming vegan food or vegetarian food for quite some time, me especially. Yes, me grudgingly. Just kidding. (laughs) I like it too. Gradually, it's grown on you. Yes. Today, let's talk about opening a catering business to provide for those who are seeking vegan food. Cool. Sounds fun. I thought you'd say that. How do I go about doing that? What do I need to do? Well, to go about starting a catering business, uh, there's a few things you want to take care of before reaching out to the health department. The main thing is just going to be getting your business license, and that's going to be through the local government agency, whether or not you live in a city or unincorporated areas of the county. And that's just going to be calling up the city department or going to their website and getting a business license, registering for the business. However, that city has it set up. You just want to make sure that that business license is in place. And then you'll reach out to the health department to get the catering permit. Once I have permit in hand, where can I work? Well, let's back up just a little bit so that we can identify how to go about getting that permit in hand. So you'll, of course, you'll reach out to the health department and they're going to want to know where you're going to make your food out of. Because with a catering permit, you cannot make your food out of the home kitchen. You do need a commercial kitchen to operate out of. And that can be a restaurant. It can be a commissary. It can be a shared kitchen of sorts. But the main idea is that it's going to be a permitted kitchen that gets regular health inspections. How can I find out about commissaries and shared kitchens? Well, any restaurant has the potential to be a permitted kitchen, and you just want to contact your local health department, give them your proposal, and then they will evaluate if that restaurant can be your shared kitchen or has the potential to be your shared kitchen. Are there any insider tips to help me kind of cut to the chase? So that I don't go back and forth with figuring out which kitchen can and can't be a shared kitchen. Yeah, so the the kitchen should have the room available, the space available. Um, It should have the necessary cooking equipment set up in it. That's going to even include the refrigeration space, um, any freezer space. You don't want to come to the health department with a proposal of a restaurant that is too small for your operation. So you can think about how big the operation you want to have is and then scale the restaurant or shared kitchen appropriately. And how would I find out those hard and fast numbers that would kind of guide me? Well, you can just reach out to the operators and the owners of the restaurants themselves, and a lot of them are open to leasing out their space when they're not in use. And so they can give you a tour and show you the space available for storage, the kitchen equipment, like I say, the walk-ins. But when you say there's there needs to be enough space available, who who determines that? Is there like... Is there a certain formula? 
there's not really a formula because each caterer is different because each caterer doesn't have the same size and scope of operation from one to the other. So ultimately, it's going to rest in the hands of the health inspector. And so they'll come out to the restaurant with all of your equipment there to ensure that there's adequate space available. So the inspection is part of the process of getting the catering permit. Now, there are shared kitchens out there that are built specifically for caterers to use and operate, not in conjunction with a typical sit-down restaurant. So those might be better suited for catering operations rather than a restaurant because restaurants, they're going to have limited hours available for a caterer to come in, whereas a shared kitchen, they're able to better stagger times for different caterers to rotate through. Do you find that restaurants that are open until the breakfast shift, like say one o'clock, do you find that those often will share their kitchens more readily? Yeah, if the hours of the restaurant aren't your typical, you know, nine in the morning till 11 at night, they have very specific hours of operation, then yeah, they will most likely have a better uh, capabilities for sharing their kitchen. What kind of money are we talking when it comes to shared kitchens? I'm not really sure. Um, that's something that can be negotiated and worked out between the owner and, and the operator of the, the, the catering operation. So I have my business license. I have my food idea of vegan food catering, and I've identified my kitchen where I'm going to prep my food. Now, once I get on site at the event, what do I need to do? What steps should I take to ensure that I'm checking all the boxes? Well, one of the most important things to have in place when you're at your event and operating and serving food to your customers is hand washing. You need to ensure that you have a, uh, a hand wash setup available for yourself and all of your employees. So a, a lot of places that you serve at might actually have a hand sink set up. And if not, then you'll need to bring your own setup. So if I'm pouring water out of an old milk jug type container with some hand soap off to the side and drying with a paper towel, would that suffice? Well, that's typically not going to cut it. Too simple. Yeah, a little bit too simple. And each jurisdiction is really going to kind of weigh in on what they're going to allow. There are portable hand sinks that are self-contained and they carry the hot water. They have a basin for collecting the wastewater and then they have a little pump soap dispenser and a paper towel dispenser, all kind of self-contained and attached as one unit. So consider having that for your catering operation because a lot of places where you go might not have hand sinks available like you might not go to a like a gazebo type of a thing at a uh, at a park and they're going to have hand sinks most most places aren't going to have that now if you do it at a person's home in their backyard you know they might have a nice barbecue set up with a hand sink built into it but you have to be prepared in case th that's not going to be available to you now if hand sinks aren't an option you know i'm just starting out with my vegan food catering business uh -huh. and a hand sink might be an extra you know, save that for, for maybe a purchase for later. No, I wouldn't wait on that. We're talking about the health and safety of the public. So that's going to be number one on the priority list is adequate hand washing. But is there is there a more affordable way that I could get started? Again, it's going to be up to the local jurisdiction whether or not it's approvable, but a possibility could be having hot water in an igloo type container with a dispenser that can be hands-free and then you have a catch basin to catch the wastewater and you have a pump soap dispenser and a roll of paper towels. Now that's basic, basic, but some jurisdictions 
might allow that. So just check with your local health department and see if they'll allow that. Eventually, you know, you're probably going to want to get to something a little more sophisticated and transportable so that hand washing is top of the priority. One of the items that I would like to offer in my business is freshly cooked kebabs. Okay, I could do that. Sounds good, yeah. As part of my service, I would like to cook them there for the customers. Serve them hot right off the grill. Can I do that? Yeah, actually, you can. You can have grills available and use them on site. Uh, You just have to keep in mind that whatever cooking equipment that you have in conjunction with your business, it's going to have to all be stored at your shared kitchen. So you might not want to purchase a large grill or a large barbecue that cannot be stored at the shared kitchen. If it can't be stored inside, it can be stored outside. But again, you're going to want to protect it somehow from the elements and theft possibly. But yes, you can use grills on site and have your kebabs, finish them off on the grill, you know, roast the vegetables and then serve it right to the customers. Of course, protecting the customers so that they don't come in too close contact with the grill and, you know, burn themselves. Now, I'm assuming that the bed of my truck will suffice when I transport to these events. Am I wrong to think that? Well, you can put some equipment back there, but as far as food items and food bins and containers of food, no, it needs to be in an enclosed vehicle. And ideally, a vehicle that can be cleaned on the interior. If there's overspill or splash, you want to consider that. Everything's not going to go perfectly when you transport food. So, you know, if it's smooth and easily cleanable, that's even better. But definitely not in the back of a truck open to the elements. Even if it has a lid on it, you don't want to put it in the back of the truck. Of course, I can transport food that's not prepped, right? You're just saying the food that's already prepped. The food that's already prepped, even food that's not yet prepped, you're going to want to protect it from contamination. And so in an enclosed vehicle, all food needs to be in an enclosed vehicle. Yep. And then you're going to want to monitor temperatures of the food. If it's potentially hazardous foods, if it's already been cooked, or if you're transporting it hot or cold food that needs to be kept cold, you're going to want to provide a a way to maintain those temperatures during travel, whether it's in an igloo or a hot case of some sort. It doesn't have to be mechanically refrigerated or mechanically kept hot, but some sort of an insulated container. You don't want the food out of temperature for very long, if at all. Not transporting food in the back of a truck, is that a recommendation or a requirement? No, that's a requirement. It, ha- it, need- it has to be in-, in an enclosed vehicle. Beverages as well. Beverages as well. Not all events are created equal, correct? That's right. What events can I work with a catering permit? You can do private events with a catering permit. So think birthday parties, wedding ceremonies, or wedding dinners, holiday parties, Those type of events that are private, not accessible to the general public, that have a predetermined number of guests that you can expect to serve. Those are the events that you can operate at with a catering permit. And finally, what certificates and licensing are required for personnel? So if you're going to be handling potentially hazardous foods, again, those are foods that require temperature control, whether it's to be maintained hot or maintained cold, you're going to need a food manager's certification. And one person in your business will need the food manager's certification. All of the other employees will just need their food handler cards at a minimum. So managers need to have a manager's certification and then 
assisting personnel should have their food handlers card. And yes. that'll do it. Yes, that, that'll work. So one person can be designated to get the food manager certification, whether it's the manager or an operator or the main chef, doesn't really matter as long as one person associated with the business and the operation gets that manager certification. Wasting food is not a good feeling. Hey, Derek, you remember the other day when I asked you about that salad dressing in the fridge? Yes. Brand new, unopened, delicious, my fave salad dressing, completely unused and expired. So it hadn't been opened yet? Brand new, unopened. Exactly. Mm. So what do you mean by expired? Well, the printed date on it was from about a month ago. Ah, Okay. Did you open it up? No. You just threw it out? Chucked it. Okay. So sad. Yeah. So food expiration dates don't mean as much as you might think they mean. Most food is actually still edible and safe after the expiration date. Uh, It just may not have its peak freshness or flavor. So you're saying that most food this expiration date doesn't necessarily apply hard and fast to. How do I know if it would have applied to my salad dressing? I don't want to get sick. Want to get sick if I eat expired food? Not necessarily. So uh, let me just tell you a little bit about the dating that is put on a lot of foods. The date that is put on a lot of foods is just a date that's applied to a food product by the manufacturer just to help consumers and retailers kind of decide when the food is of best quality and also to help the store determine how long to keep the food on on their shelves. So it's really kind of a gray area? Mm. It is a gray area. And again, these are the dates that might be found on food such as meats, poultry, egg, and dairy products like your ranch dressing. How do I know when too far is just too far? Yeah. So it's going to be a little bit of a subjective test. So if the date passes while you have the, the product at home, the product could still be safe and wholesome, and you'd actually need to check for spoilage. So I'll check for spoilage. Is there a sniff test? Yeah, actually there is. So spoiled food will often develop an, an off odor and an off flavor or texture just due to the naturally occurring spoilage bacteria. So then, of course, if the food has developed those characteristics, it should not be eaten. So uh, we know based on the quantity of food that I've burned over the course of my lifetime that I don't have a great sniffer. Um, are there any other indicators that I, that I can apply as well? Well, you can do a visual inspection, certainly, of the food. So obviously, if you look at the food and you can see bacteria growing like it has that uh that green characteristic of bacteria or some fuzz growing then definitely you know that that's a spoiled product and should not be eaten and yet fuzz would be okay on the cheese well i wouldn't say so however this might come as a shock to you i used some mozzarella yesterday and part of the cheese had some green fuzz on it, and I just took that part and threw it in the trash, 
but I used the rest of the shredded cheese that was in the same container. TMI. (laughs) (laughs) So to clarify, we were talking about expiration dates of items found in the refrigerator. Would the same guidelines hold true for dry goods? Well, it may or may not. Typically, the dry goods or shelf-stable products are going to have a closed dating system on there, which is a code that the manufacturer puts on to identify when it was manufactured, not when it quote-unquote expires. What's the distinguishing factor? Will it actually say that in print? It may say manufactured on and then give a date. And then, again, you can determine how long you want to keep your product on your shelves and use it. I just use the old taste test. When the chips are stale, it's time to bail. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with that. That works for you. That's good. Hey, so sometimes I see different terminology. Like I might see a date that says best buy or sell by or expires. Are those the same? Yeah, there's not really any uniform or universally accepted description used on food labels for dating in the United States. So there's a wide variety of phrases that can be used on labels to describe those quality dates. So for instance, the quote, best if used by indicates when a product might have the best flavor or quality. Again, it's not a purchase or safety date. And then if the product has a quote unquote sell by date, it tells the store how long that they want to keep that product on their shelves for display and sale. Again, it's not a safety date. Now a use by date is the last date that's recommended for the use of the product while at its peak quality. Again, this is still not a safety date. So what I'm understanding you to say is that all the dates that I see are really just suggestions? They are, except for one area, and that's when it comes to infant formula. So there's, there's actually federal regulations that require a use-by date on the product label of infant formula. And then that date means that consumption by this date ensures that the formula contains not less than the requirement of nutrients that are described on the label because formula must maintain an acceptable quality in order to pass through an ordinary bottle nipple. So if there are infant formula products on the shelves that are past that use-by date, that is a finable offense, and that's the only finable offense. Because the formula won't actually transport through the bottle properly? That's correct, because it does not meet the standards as set forth on the label. Hmm. That could be really dangerous. Yeah, because the government is really trying to protect a vulnerable population. So we want to be sure to distinguish between the consumer side and the business side. Do all of these expiration dates apply in the same way to restaurant owners and um, grocers? They do. So, So when an inspector is doing an inspection, they aren't even looking at the dates except for the infant formula, as I mentioned. What they're looking for is the actual spoilage of the food, and then it would be a violation. But if there's no spoilage and it's past the date, there's really no violation. Time for Now Trending. 
when people are calling for COVID vaccine information, do you often get a lot of calls for assistance with that? Yeah, we do. And our department is not the one who actually administers the vaccine. It's the public health department, which is a separate department from environmental health. But we advise the public on who they can reach out to in order to get that vaccine. A lot of times people confuse environmental health with public health. Yes, quite often. But in some places, are they under the same umbrella? They can be, yes. So it's just in our area that it's really two separate departments. Isn't calling the number 211 a helpful resource for people regarding COVID vaccines? Yes, it is. In our area, if you dial 211, you will actually get to someone who can set up an appointment and find a clinic for you to get the vaccine at. And then perhaps in other places, the services they offer would be different through 211. Yeah, I've researched that other states have a similar setup with 211. I don't know if it's entirely nationwide, but there's a lot of states that still have the same functionality of 211. Here in California, we are essentially still just under lockdown um, and a lot of businesses aren't functioning the way that they used to and many of them are not functioning, um, which is unfortunate. And so desperate times come for creative measures. True? Yes, absolutely. You know what I've seen? I have seen a mobile alcohol service provider. Have you heard of that? Really? Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen one. I, I have heard of it vaguely. I haven't seen one in our area. So it's like a mobile bartender. Wow, interesting. Like a party on the back of a van. Sounds fun. I don't know much about it, but I was wondering if you've heard about it and if you guys work closely with that type of service. Well, that's actually going to be controlled by the Alcohol and Beverage Control Department through the state. So we wouldn't have any authority to issue a permit just for that type of operation. Now, if they got approval through the state to do that type of operation, and then they wanted to add some other service, prepackaged food or open food, then we would get involved. But they would definitely need approval from the state first. Well, that's another show in the can with a non-expiration date on it. Nice. Derek and I thank you for joining us. We hope this show has been helpful to you. And we will see you next time. All right. See you next time. Bye.